It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Another exciting secondary perspective is on deck, of course, unless you've been sleeping somewhere under a rock. We know what Thursday is. It is Throwback Thursday, but it's also NFL Draft Day. That is the day that NFL prospects, their lives, their family, their future will be changed forever. Optimism runs wild in Radio City Music Hall as the 79th NFL Draft is set to kick off later Today, of course, we have going to have some guys on the show going to call in and talk about what was that draft day experience uh, like. Now, for me, you know, I wasn't drafted, so I don't know what it was, what it was like in, in a certain aspect of it. But I'll tell you this. I was sitting home with my brother and the rounds are going by, going by. Then I get a call from the Cincinnati Bengals. They, they had the 26 pick at that point. They say, Nick, are, are you ready to be a Cincinnati Bengal? We're going to pick you with this next upcoming pick. I looked at my brother and I was like, it's on. We're about to make it. You know, from, from we started from the bottom, now we're here. But all started sudden, from the bottom, now we're here. That's right. So, so what happened was we're sitting there and we're watching. We're both looking at the television, waiting for Cincinnati to call my name and say, the Cincinnati Bengals with the 26th pick, pick Nick Ferguson. But guess what? It never came. They called a running back. So I looked at my brother and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What just happened here? Well, from that point on, I played with a boulder on my shoulder, the size of Mount Everest. And I'm here to tell you, from a free agent to a 10-year NFL vet, it is absolutely possible. It doesn't make a difference how you get there. The only thing that matters is that you get there. But here's the biggest thing. For all you draft prospects, don't get comfortable because next year there's a whole crop of guys coming in and the teams are looking to improve. If they don't win the Lombardi Trophy, they're looking to move you out to bring somebody else in. So guess what? Don't get too comfortable. Mario. Yes, sir. I I know you are concerned with what happens with the 31st pick. So quickly. Tell me what you think or what you would like to have happen with the 31st pick, and that would be your Denver Broncos. All right. Let me get you a quick little breakdown, little draft analysis, something you can't hear anywhere else, Nick, because I am mile high, Mario. With the 31st overall pick, the Denver Broncos will trade out of the first round, and here's why I think they're going to do that, Nick. The most logical first-rounder, uh, for the Denver Broncos is C.J. Mosley, but he has really risen up the charts. He's going to go top 15. Broncos don't want to give up that much. They don't have enough cap space as it is right now 
We all know why. They're going to trade out because I feel like a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, A.J. McCarron, maybe some other quarterbacks are going to be there. Team's going to want to draft out of the second round into the first to take their future starting quarterback. Broncos are going to trade out. They're going to get a middle linebacker further down the road, maybe a cornerback. But that's what we're going to see. So, unfortunately, Bronco fans probably not going to see a pick tonight. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk to a guy who has NFL experience, and he was a guy that was drafted. Lo and behold, joining the program today, Kevin Bentley. Kevin, thank you for joining the program. Kevin, are you there? Come in, Kevin. Yes, I'm here. All right, great, right. There, there he is, Kevin. Now, now let's talk about your, your, your draft experience. I mean, what was it like uh, for you on draft day? Man, so draft day was a, it was a whirlwind. I had a bunch of family in town. I was back home in California. I was projected to go second through fourth round. So playing the odds, we assumed I was going to be drafted on the first day. Back then, the first three rounds were given on, held on the first day. So I had a huge barbecue uh, family and friends were there. And just looking at the picks, watching linebackers fall off the board, I didn't get picked the first day. I was heartbroken. Um, You know, my family was trying to be supportive, keep your head up, that type of deal. And the second day, the draft started very early on the West Coast. I was actually still sleeping in bed. I was the third pick in the fourth round to the Cleveland Browns, and I remember the linebacker coach calling me. It, was, it must have been about 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. I woke me up out of my sleep to tell me I was drafted by the Browns. I was half asleep when I found out the information. <laughs> hey, that's a great way to wake up. That's a nice wake-up call right there. Be like, hey, uh, good morning. You are now an NFL player. Good job. Yeah, it was insane. So I kind of stuck my head out of my room and yelled to the family that I was going to the Browns. And got back in the bed. Wow. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So, so you, you, you were asleep. You wake up, take the phone call, and you go right back to bed. Not grabbing a bite to eat, not celebrating with the family. I mean, wh- why no celebration? Well, I mean, we celebrated when I woke up, but I was literally dead asleep. It must have been 7, 8, 8 a.m. And stand up the night before so long, you know, watching the entire first three rounds. The, the emotional roller coaster, the up and downs, it was very draining emotionally. So, I mean, I must have been tired because I literally went back to sleep for about two hours, and then when I woke up, we all celebrated. Well, well Kevin, you know, uh, I, I asked you this question. I know you went to Northwestern, and recently there's been a long-standing debate, and I don't think it's going to find any conclusion anytime soon, but everyone's been talking about whether to play college athletes or not. Uh, you guys at Northwestern are really pushing for a unionization of college players. Now, now, for you, one, how do you feel about the guys coming up with this idea? And two, do you feel college athletes should be paid? All right, to tackle your first question, I, I'm totally supportive of those guys' efforts to unionize. I remember speaking to Kane Coulter two years ago after homecoming, and he was running some of the thoughts his thoughts behind me, and I thought it was an excellent idea then, mm-hmm. and I still think so now. As we see, I don't know what's going to come about it, but as we see, the NCAA is now already starting to make changes. You know, now all of a sudden, 
these guys can have meals year-round or something like that. I can't remember the exact stipulation. But they're already starting to make changes. And I think more so than anything, this was a way to force the NCAA's hand to actually start making changes. In terms of, in terms of paying college athletes, I agree that they should be paid a, some type of stipend. That stipend, I'm not sure the amount. How do you allocate it by player? You know, if you're a starter, if you're redshirting, that's where the big issue comes in. But I do think they should be paid um, because a lot of athletes can't work and people don't know that. So if you can't work, you don't make money. But right. in, the, in the meantime, you're spending all your time practicing and working out. Well, that should be considered some form of work where they're, they're being paid for it. Well, if you just joined us, we're talking to Kevin Bentley, nine-year NFL vet from the Cleveland Browns, Seattle Seahawks, and the Texans. Now, recently, Kevin, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, we had a situation with uh, Jim Ursay and him being pulled over, a uh, big water cash in a car, uh, blurred speech. But, but yet, the commission has yet to do anything to him. But usually when things happen with players, whether they're found innocent or guilty, you know, they normally have that big FedEx in their locker or you see something on a ticker on ESPN saying that that kid was fined or suspended for a couple of games. Do, do you agree with how this is being handled or do, are we seeing two different ways where, where players are being judged one way and the owners are being judged one way as well? I definitely think it's a double-edged sword, right? The owners are being judged one way and the players are being judged another here you have an owner who's been very vocal on Twitter, you know, social media, all the all the different media outlets you can think of, and all of a sudden he gets in trouble, and you only hear a little, you only see a little clip about it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have the D tackle from the um, Buffalo Bills get in trouble down in Alabama, and it's all over ESPN, it's all over the site. It won't go away. The team issues a statement of how they're going to support him and blah, blah, blah. But you didn't see any of this happen when Jim Irsay got in trouble. Right. You haven't heard the commissioner speak out about Jim Irsay. But these are, the, these are the people that are supposed to be setting the example for the players. So how, how are they setting the example if they're allowed to get off the hook while players are really punished and punished heavily for a lot of small mishaps. Now, now, do you see the Players Association stepping in at some point to kind of bring some kind of checks and balances to the system, or is this going to be business as usual? Well, I'm hoping that, I hope that the, the PA steps in because it has to be, we have to operate on a system that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Mm-hmm. All right? You can't allow one person to act one way within the organization and not be punished, but then have that same incident happen from a player and he loses his salary for four weeks. Right. So they, it definitely has to be some checks and balances put in place. And I think the standard, if there's going to be a standard for one, there has to be a standard for all. Right. And before we let you get out here, of course, you know, you spend time with both the Seattle Seahawks and the Texans and the Texans, have the first pick in the draft. Now, there's been a lot of, uh, I guess, hypotheticals and everyone's been speculating what's going to happen. If you are 
Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien. You have that first pick in the draft. Put your GM hat on for a second. Kevin Bentley, what do you do with that first pick? So if I'm the Texans GM, my two options are A, to trade down, to trade back and gain extra picks, especially given a new coach. They got, they're missing a few pieces now. You know, Antonio Smith is gone. They got rid of their safe, starting safety. So they're missing some key players along the defense as well as the offensive side, getting rid of Matt Schaub or Daniels. So I would trade back to try to acquire more picks so this guy can actually put the head coach and put his stamp on the team. If I wasn't able to trade out, I would definitely go with Javon Clowney. And I equate it to the situation a few years ago when there was the Mario Williams debate. Mm-hmm. And that first year, everyone was really down on the pick and look what Mario's turned into. I see this kind of potential from this kid, if not more, just watching him move and get after the quarterback. Well, Kevin, man, appreciate it, man. Thank you for dropping by. That is Kevin Bentley, nine-year veteran, spent time with both the Seattle Seahawks, Texans, and the Cleveland Browns. And, Kevin, where would you be watching the draft today? Hey, Nick, don't rob me of my 10th year, buddy. Oh, uh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, don't, I, I, I worked hard for that last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 10-year um, NFL veteran Kevin Bentley. So where would you be watching the uh, draft today? I actually may attend the Texans draft party. Um, I'm here in town for grad school at Rice, so I thought I might drop in and just see what's going on over there. Well, and listen, Kevin, while you're there, say hello to Rick Smith, and feel free to send us some of those uh, Instagrams of uh, some of the fans and who they think uh, will be the number one pick, whether it's Manziel, Kleine, or whoever. We don't really know at this point, but we will know later on today. That is Kevin Bentley, 10-year, I stand corrected, 10-year, NFL vet. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. So You trying to shortchange him on his career, Fergie Ferg? You know what? (laughs) Oh, you better watch it, man. You know what? I I should have known that because, you know, as an NFL player, that 10th year is definitely that benchmark that every player wants to get there. Yeah, I mean, you you know, they say the career of a player is 3.1 years or whatever, but Everyone's trying to get to that 10 years. So, Kevin, I apologize for taking a year away from you. So he's in a 10-year club. So, Mario, going back to your Denver Broncos, and when we look at that AFC West, of course, you know, Kansas City is going to be back. Uh, Oakland Raiders, they've stockpiled their roster on both sides of the ball with uh, savvy veterans, but we still have to see if those guys have anything left in the tank. Real quick, Nick, when you say savvy veteran, here's the thing. I feel like savvy veteran is one of those terms that's thrown around by fans for a player that they know is over the hill and can't play anymore. And they're a big name player like Maurice Jones Drew, like Charles Woodson, who's not going to have a big impact, but they're a savvy veteran. You want their presence around the locker room. I don't buy into it. I think a team (laughs) full of savvy veterans. Yeah, it works for the Spurs, but that's about it. They're an anomaly. Wait a minute with it. How can you use that term and say it works for Popovich and the Spurs? 
Well, yeah, exactly, that's exactly why. That's exactly why because it works for Popovich. Popovich should win the coach of the year every single year, but because the Spurs are so, and he did, of course, this year, but because right. the Spurs are so good year in and year out, I mean, they're the number one seed. Nobody even knew it. They went in there and, you know, I'm talking to my friends. They're like, yeah, I think the Thunder are going to come out of the West. And I was like, yeah, but they didn't even get the one seed. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, right. The Spurs have the best record in basketball. They're like, what? What about the Heat? What about the Thunder? What? It's it's unbelievable that this team is able to fly under the radar. They always make the playoffs. They're always a top three seeded team, and they're so vanilla. Everything is so simple. Maybe that's like what makes Popovich such a freaking genius because he has a bunch of savvy veterans. If you have a team full of savvy veterans in any other sport, you're not a very good team. Well, I tell you what, see, see, that's just the thing. I think the reason that they flew under the radar is because of Popovich. But it goes back to that term, that term that you're trying to dismiss right there. It's savvy veterans. As long as you have savvy veterans on your team that know how to play the game. And that's because that game time experience and that continuity, they're always going to be there. So I think what Reggie McKenzie did in Oakland, he's thinking the same thing. Here are guys who some teams have dismissed and pushed over the hill, stealing a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook because he's been doing this for years. And I don't know why other teams haven't adopted this philosophy. We're going to go out and get savvy veterans, and we're going to make some young guys in there, and then we're going to make ourselves into a bunch of contenders. Now, the Raiders, I think they're picking at number five or number six. If I were Reggie McKenzie... And you know they're going to blow it. You well, know they're going to blow it. Well, well, you know what? Let's just be a little <laughs> optimistic right now. Hopefully, he might decide to move down because he has some veterans on both sides. Make sure he, he stockpiles some picks, makes this team better for the long run because he's gearing up right now for a Super Bowl push. Let's be totally honest. In the next two years, he's hoping that he can get the Raiders over the hump. But this is why you have to look within your division when you're Wait, looking you at the Did you say a Super Bowl push for the Oakland Raiders, Nick? Are you okay? Did you wake up on the wrong side of the crazy bed this morning? No, I, I, I didn't. But when you look at what they're doing, he's put pieces in place hoping. Now, now you got to listen to what I'm saying. I said no, I, hoping. I, 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 I said that one thing. I'm sorry. My brain was just like, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Ain't trying to hear that. That, that. that is that orange and blue blood running through you. <laughs> After we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL draft, talk about what's happening in the NBA and Kevin Durant's emotional acceptance speech of NBA MVP. That would be his first. You're listening to My High Sports Secondary Perspective. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies join us every week for winning ponies with john Engelhart, racing's regular guy where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers agents and handicappers in the world of horse racing this show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Sometimes I do feel disrespected by you reporters, but that's okay. Seattle Seahawk cornerback Richard Sherman is here tonight and he gave me he gave me some great tips on how to handle it Jake Tapper don't you ever talk about me like that I'm the best president in the game what do you think Richard was that good a little more feeling next time that which was just listening to was President Obama acknowledging Richard Sherman in a joke, uh, I guess playing on the fact of what he said to Aaron Andrews last season at the end of the game between Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. I think everyone is pretty much talking about that, and that's still something that's trending today. Mario, uh, speaking of that, Richard Sherman finds himself in the news again, highest paid corner in the league. No champion, oh, no Darrell Revis, <laughs> no DRC, but Richard Sherman, the highest-paid corner in the league. How you like that? What a shocker that Richard Sherman would find <laughs> his way into the headlines. Oh, this is is the world coming to an end. Here, here's the thing, man: forty mil guaranteed for any player is too much. Let's be perfectly honest. Whether or not you think he is the best corner in the game, and for the record, I do not. You string together a couple of nice seasons. Whatever happened to like the Darrell Revis talk, man? Remember when everyone was saying he could possibly get to the point where he's the greatest corner of all time? I understand right. he had that injury, but he came back, and he's stronger than ever. I think he's going to be a huge impact player, and he's going to be better than Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has a couple good years, and I'm not going to knock him at all. I'm not going to be one of those haters that's like, Richard Sherman is not that good. He is that good. I want to see him have a career of being that good. And now that he's getting 40 mil guaranteed, Mr. Ferguson, that is four zero mil guaranteed. No matter what happens, <laughs> homeboy could tear his ACL tomorrow or he could break his arm patting himself on the back. Doesn't matter. He could never play another down. He gets 40 
million dollars. I have a huge problem with that. But wait, why do you have a huge problem with that? Because we've seen because it's it's too much. It's way too much. It's too much money for one player guaranteed. Set up a contract. I don't understand why more teams and more players don't agree to this. And Richard Sherman is so confident in his skill set as a corner. Should he not be? But no, that's what I'm saying. He should be. But that's why contracts should be based on performance. If he keeps playing like he's the best corner in the game, give him best corner in the game money. But if I he think, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, Mario. Dollars. I, I got to cut you off right there because wait a minute. How can, how can you say that it's okay to pay quarterbacks, Matt Schaub, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, Tony yeah, but, but still, if, if you're going to pay those quarterbacks and you're going to say it's a quarterback-driven league, you have to have something to offset it. You could be the highest-paid pass rusher. You could be the highest-paid corner. So what we're going to see here is, is a trend that's being set. Teams have upped the bar as far as paying the quarterbacks. Guys in the secondary want to pay, be paid to as well. But now you talk about Richard Sherman. The, the guy was, came in the league as a fifth-round draft choice. When you talk about the level of disrespect that was given to him, now he's on a Super Bowl team. He's had 20 interceptions over the past three years. He's earned his money. When you start Nick, to throw Nick. that tight around, shut down corner, that's what happens. You put that label of shut down corner on a particular player, that demands top dollar. But here's the question, though. A president has been set. Now, you made him the highest paid corner. Patrick Peterson plays for the Arizona Cardinals. When his contract is up, He's going to want to be paid more than Richard Sherman. So the question is, what's top dollar? Where's the stopping point? I mean, are we going to pay players so much money that you're not going to have enough money to pay your free agents, to draft picks, to make your team better? So to me, that's the only thing that I see wrong with this. But the guy has played well, and that's what, that's what it, it, the price tag demands. You're only worth what the market is willing to pay for you. Seattle has set the market $40 million guaranteed Richard Sherman. Now we have to wait and see if he's going to earn that from this point on out. Well, here's the thing, man. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that he is a great corner, and I'm not even going to disagree with the fact that he could be the best corner in the game right now. Right. The big problem I have, and I'm not saying it's just, I'm just talking about corners. I'm just talking about Richard Sherman. I'm talking about this profession as a whole. I'm not going to knock what you guys do and what you did for so long, Nick, because I could never do it. My body would break down, and we see that all the time. These guys deserve the money. But when a team is so bold as to give $40 million guaranteed, let him earn it as he goes. That's all I'm saying. He's earned a little bit of a bonus, I will, or a big bonus even. I'll say that. But 40 mil guaranteed, and I know I keep getting back to that because the more I say it, the less I believe it. There's no reason to give somebody that kind of money. I just think it's insane, man. Have him pay as you go at every position. Every time a quarterback throws a touchdown, that's uh, $250,000 or however you want to spin it. I don't know, but make them earn what they're doing as they go because now he could be the worst cover corner in the NFL doesn't matter homeboy's still getting paid that's all I'm saying it's it's not position exempt it goes for every single position this just happens to be the one we're talking about right now because it's Richard Sherman well I'll tell you what we're going to talk to a guy who covers the NFL NFL media producer and boxing insider Ryan Marquinana 
Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Listen, okay, of course, obviously, you're listening in. We're having this debate. (laughs) Is it Richard Sherman's been made the highest paid cornerback in the league? Do you believe that Seattle did the right thing or maybe they're really pushing this bar entirely to a point where maybe they shouldn't push it? Well, don't forget, just a couple days ago, they made Earl Thomas the highest paid safety in the league as well. So, I mean, I, I think especially with this Legion of Boom secondary with how dominant they've been over the past year, I think uh, you, you guys make a great point in that, you know, it, it was one, two dominant seasons and he could, very, you know, Richard could very well blow out his knee next year and, and that's that. But at the same time, you have to understand how well and how deep that secondary is. I mean, you know, Pete Carroll came up as a defensive backs coach and, and I think it was very evident during the playoffs where it was just next man up. You know, they had Brandon Browner go down, and it didn't matter because Byron Maxwell stepped up, and they had Jeremy Lane step up. And, and you, you know, you, you look how deep that secondary is, and I think, I think the contract for Sherman and for Thomas, I think that was more of an expression or more of a statement that, you know, regardless of how he do, I think, number one, they have enough confidence in Richard and, and Earl to play out these contracts and still perform at a high level. But at the same time, if something were to happen, I think they have enough confidence in their next man up theory and their philosophy and, and the depth they have in the secondary that, you know, Jerry, uh, Jeremy Lane or Byron Maxwell could step up and, and, and very well do the job anyway. Well, when you, when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, they're coming off an impressive season. Russell Wilson is a quarterback. They, they added Terrell prior to the mix. When you look at this team as a whole, what moves do they need to make in today's draft to solidify themselves for another playoff run? Well, I mean, I, they're solid enough as is. I mean, they're the deepest roster in, in the NFL. I mean, if anything, maybe uh, they lost uh, Brandon Giacomini to the, to the Jets, maybe uh, bolster their offensive line. Uh, I know they're probably going to be picking uh, at the end of the first round at 32. I don't, I don't know if they're going to move up. I, I don't really see a need for, for them to right now. Uh, there are a couple of guys, I think, you know, you got uh, Morgan Moses of Virginia, and uh, I, I doubt that uh, Cyrus Quanjo um, from uh, Alabama slips down that far. But, I mean, I would say maybe offensive line, um, you know, they lost Golden Tate. Maybe they want to, you know, go after a receiver. And this is, without a doubt, one of the deepest receiver classes, uh, you know, the last 20 years. Um, you know, it's been speculated that as many six or seven wide receivers can slip. Uh, all the way down to the end of the first round. And even then, you still have two or three more guys in the second round that can make an impact. Uh, so I would say there, you know, that's another, that's another area. Um, defensive line, you know, they lost Red Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. or, um, so maybe, maybe they can go there, look for, look for another defensive end. But I mean, they're so deep with pass rushers. You know, they got, they got Averill, they got, they got Bennett back. So, um, you know, I, I think with them, it's, it's, it's just a matter of, of adding depth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I had to choose, I, I, think, I think John Schneider's probably going to go the offensive line route. Now, now, when we look at today's draft, and, and usually what happens every year, there's some team that makes a surprise pick of a guy who wasn't on their board, who wasn't highly touted. Who, who could be that team this year to make that surprise move, whether it's moving up or moving down? You know, it's, it's crazy when you it, – it's such a – Draw a, a difference from last year, where we all knew that Eric Fisher was going one, and uh, there were a couple of picks that uh, that were going to be surprises. But um, I think I don't know if there's much of a surprise, but I think you can expect the 49ers to move up from from 30. I mean, this is a team that's been to the NFC Championship game uh, three straight years, the Super Bowl once, and 
you know, each time they've, they've just been missing something. And uh, at this point, with with the turmoil they, they or you know, reported turmoil they've had uh, in between the you know their coach Jim Harbaugh in the front office, and um, you know, obviously the all the off season problems that they've had uh, uh, with off the field with with um, uh, Chris Culver, Alden Smith. You wonder if this if the time is if it's a ticking time bomb here. If this is it, if if this is right. the one year run for the Forty ers um, they need a cornerback. They need. Uh, you know that third, you know wide receiver in the slot. Um, hell, they might need a, a, another pass, another edge rusher to add depth. Who uh, knows what, what deals with Alden Smith? I think the 49ers, and it's definitely been reported several times. But I mean, I, I'm from San Francisco, and I'll tell you, I think the Niners are going to move up, make some sort of deal here where they're going to deal multiple picks to, to move up and either take a playmaker at wide receiver or cornerback. Because you have to keep in mind, uh, General Manager Trent Baalke, he has six picks in the top 100. Right. If you just joined the program, we're talking to NFL media producer and boxing insider Ryan Marquiana. Speaking of, of, of boxing, uh, this past weekend, you know, Floyd Mayweather and Madonna had a, a bout down in Vegas. And it, it seemed like th- this was a fight that when you look at it on the surface, probably one of the toughest fights for Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he looked a little sluggish late. Uh, his opponent got a chance to put him in a corner, got, got him some uh, real good shots on uh, Mayweather. Are, are we starting to see the same thing with Mayweather as we started to see, or we are seeing with Manny Pacquiao? Age is playing a factor, and speed, fluidity, and just kind of them being the old, the boxes of old. Are we starting to see Mayweather slip as well? well what a street brawl, huh? You know, I was, I was at ringside uh, for that fight, and I, I don't, you know, I think age catches up to any fighter. You know, father time... Right definitely has its way with, with any athlete. But I think in Floyd's case, this was more of a matter of the style that Maidana brought. I mean, anybody who's seen Marcos Maidana fight before, he has this crude but effective pressure where, you know, he puts you in the corner, bullies you into the ropes, and makes you fight. Uh, and I think it was pretty evident with the way that, uh, you know, Floyd you know, was, was approaching that fight for the first five mm-hmm. rounds. I had him down four rounds to one. After uh, after the first five rounds, and I believe one of the judges did as well. Um, but I think that uh, I think it took him a while to adjust and, and, and time uh, Maidana his advances as far as where you know the, the unconventional angles he was throwing from. Um, but you know, to touch on your question, yeah, I mean, I think with any fighter, you, you see uh, age begin to, to wear on them. But I wouldn't necessarily say that this was indicative of Floyd, you know, losing a step. I mean, I, I think uh, I think this was just more of the style that was brought to him. I think he he was I think he was caught a little bit off guard, off balance at first. But you know, if you watch the fight, I, I believe he won six of the last seven rounds. And right. they're talking about an immediate rematch in September. I would not be surprised to see Floyd dominate. You know, the second fight just based on the fact that he's now a lot more comfortable in there facing this type of style fighter. Before we get out of here real quick, I mean, everyone has been anticipating and talking about the fact that everyone wants to see May- Mayweather and Pacquiao. Do you <laughs> think it would ever happen at this point? <laughs> you can never say never. You can never say never. I, mean, I think the problem with a fight even occurring is that it's kind of overcooked. You know, it's been in the oven too long. I think about right. three, four years ago when both guys were in their prime. I mean, then and there, I think you, you would have seen the best at their best. But the problem is it's, it's a lot deeper than, you know, I know maybe they were talking about drug testing and this right. and that. I, I think it, it's, 
it's a lot deeper than that. It runs from, in my opinion, it runs from the fact, you know, I've spoken with Floyd, I've spoken with his former promoter, who's currently Manny Pacquiao's promoter, Bob Arum. They don't have the greatest relationship because, uh, you know, way back when, when Arum used to promote Mayweather, uh, you know, Mayweather did not appreciate or he, I guess he felt like he was being slighted for Bob's other fighters, namely Oscar De La Hoya. And so when Mayweather broke uh, free and became a free agent and made it mm-hmm. big on its own, I think he kind of always held that against Bob. So, you know, to make this fight with Pacquiao, who has become essentially Bob's top fighter, essentially would give Bob a, a big piece of that pie of, of the most lucrative fight uh, in the history of boxing. And, and I think that alone is the biggest barrier for Floyd, just because that relationship is so acrimonious. I, I, I don't see it happening uh, for the time being. Before we let you get out of here real quickly, who's the number one overall pick in today's draft? I think you have to go clowny. I mean, I, I know that the, the Texans are, uh, our uh, media, NFL media insider Ian Rappaport has reported that uh, the Texans won at least three number ones for the pick, which I don't think they're going to get. Um, but uh, <laughs> But as far as, uh, you know, who they could take, I think, you know, despite the, the reports about Clowney's uh, work ethic or lack thereof, you know, when you have, when you're faced with the proposition of, of, of a guy who can you know, single-handedly change uh, your franchise or could change the game, right. you know, boom or bust, I think you have to take him. You know, I, I, do, I think Clowney's the best, uh, best option on the table. And, and, uh, but then again, you know, this is... This is trap night. You never know where they might go. You're absolutely right. You never know where they might go. Good stuff from Ryan Macriana. You can find him him on Twitter at RMAQ28. Ryan, thanks for being on the program. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Don't forget to tune in. NFL Network, 8 p.m. Eastern. Pick number one. There it is. Tune in tonight. You heard the man. Tune in tonight, Mario, when we come back. T-Mo Goody from the Goody Mob. We'll talk a little about the Atlanta sports scene, and then we'll talk a little more about the draft. And there's something that's happening here beside the draft. That's right. NBA playoffs. We'll talk about that. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's that's going on. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. 
Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. That was some good stuff uh, by, uh, by Ryan there, giving us some insightful information by, about this upcoming draft. We still have to wait to see what happened. But keeping our Star Power show going, we have someone on the line, but we're going to bring him in. The only way the secondary perspective can bring him in Go ahead, Justin. Let it run. Woke up and seen the sun sky high, sky high. Touch what I never touched before. Seen what I never seen before. Woke up and seen the sun sky high, sky. That's right. T Mo Goody is on the horn. T Mo, thanks for joining us. Oh man, thank y'all for having me, man. What's going on today, y'all? What's happening? Hey. It's draft day. You know what? <laughs> it is draft day, and it's going to be some Dirty South cooking. And speaking of Dirty South cooking, let me start off first. The Atlanta Hawks, right? They was this team, number eight seed. No one really gave them any credit, but they gave the Pacers a run for the money. And now, I mean, as a fan of everything Atlanta, how did that make you feel to see this young club actually push the number one seed the way they did? Man, really, it, it, it was it was a good feeling, man, to see Atlanta stand up in that manner and you know and, and give chase, you know, to the to the title. But you know, I just I, I was I was disappointed, man. I felt a little let down just a little bit, man, because I'm a true fan, man. I I love to win, man. Who don't want to win, man? So you know, I just felt like this 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 could be our our, our year, man. I thought we would really get an opportunity to just sweep everybody off their feet with. With a, with a shocking uh, story to the end of this season, but you know it's all good. We we got it next year. We just young, you know what I mean? Like you're saying, we learn it. We learn. It is. But but here's the question though: anyone who's ever visited Atlanta, I mean, they they know it's a great city to live, and the cost of living is cheap. They have colleges spread out all around the city. Uh, the ratio of men to women is it, spectacular. That's why a lot of people love to move there. But what is it about? The, the the teams that don't seem to be able to capture those big market free agents with all of what I just said. Why it just seems like they have a problem. Why is that? Man, I, I really couldn't tell you, man. It's, it's been confusing to me and a lot of my homeboys. We sit around and, and and discuss this all the time and just can't come up with a clear understanding <laughs> what, what the what the real problem is. And we were just saying the other day how. You know, the only team that's really gone all the way and done it for us was the Braves. Right. You know, it took them a minute, but, you know, they came in, I think it was like 95. Yeah, 95. 90, yeah, 95, yep. Well, uh, man, it, we, man, 
it, it just I can't I can't explain it, man. They owe us one though. I know that much. So the Falcons gonna do it this year. We we we, we get take Matthew. <laughs> we gonna get that OT. You know we gonna get that OT out there on the um, offensive line for the for yeah. the Falcons to take that quarterback, and we are gonna have a different season this year. Watch out now. Now, 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 speaking of the Atlanta Falcons, two years ago they were in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. You're very disappointing. I, I was at that game. Uh, the, the fans, I mean, the Georgia Dome, I have never seen the Georgia Dome that way before. I mean, a bunch of highs and lows, but they were really behind their team. Now, I mean, you, you add Mike Tice, you, you bring over uh, Brian Cox to be coaches, you sign Devin Hester, who's probably the most exciting return guy we've seen since Deion Sanders. And then now you talk about showing up the offensive line for Matt Ryan. So it's a very uh, exciting year for, for the Falcons. Now, today is the draft. I mean, what, what position would you like them to see? I mean, you talk about the Matthews kid. I mean, would you like them to see them take another player besides him in the draft to help this team pretty much, I guess, dethrone the team that they hate the most, which is the New Orleans Saints. What else would you like to see this team do moving forward? Um, I know we definitely need a good safety right. in the picture. You know what I mean? We got to have a good safety. I guess somebody that really can can lay the, 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 uh, the good hit and, and have the foot speed that we need to really control that part of the field, man. But um, it's, really, it's really the line. It's always been our, our biggest issue has been the line, and it really exposes the, the running backs in, in a different light, meaning that it's not really giving a true perspective of what our backs can do. Because, I mean, I felt like when we went and got Steven Jackson, I felt, okay, we got size, we got speed, we got experience. This man going to make a difference for the mm-hmm. Packers this year. I can really see that. But he, he didn't have any good, I guess, any solid blocking like he really needed, and we couldn't right. keep Matty Ice protected. You know, so... Going to get a good offensive lineman is, is definitely a great asset for the Falcons and, and a good start to, to trying to restructure and rebalance the team. If you just joined us, we're talking to T. Mo Goody from the, the Goody Mob. Uh, T. Mo, now, I, I, I was reading somewhere that there's a reality TV show that's set to hit the airways on June 23rd, I, I believe. Why did Goody Mob decide? Okay, well, we need to jump into the reality TV world. Well, um, the, the good part about our reality show, we just kind of wanted to show people who we are as individuals and as a group, and just give the world uh, a different perspective of Goody life. Meaning, you right. know, they hear all our records and they take us as you know from a serious side when they listen to our music because you know we we doing more than just making people dance, we're trying to enlighten, inspire, motivate all in the same song. So, um, it, you know, this this gives Goody Mark, like I said, a different a different point of view. And it's going to be, I feel, it's really going to give us a, a, a lighter edge, meaning it's going to make people laugh. It might put you in a sad mood, maybe. It may, you know, <laughs> for the most part, it's going to keep you happy. It's going to keep right. you, your teeth showing and you're laughing loud. And we just try to entertain the people with with some good mob life, man, from the dirty south perspective. But it's gonna really be nice, man. It's gonna it's a good, refreshing um, look for good mob for twenty fourteen, and you'll see, man. I, I promise you, man. We're gonna make Atlanta proud. Well, I, I tell I tell you what, at, at Coachella you had outcasts that that got together. Could, could we possibly see 
Outcast, Goody Mob, Dungeon Family get together like you guys used to do, you know, back in the early 90s because that, that sound that you brought to hip hop music really put the South on the map and a lot of uh, hip hop artists now that are coming from the South, I, I know you guys have paved the way for that. Will, will we ever see kind of a, that collection Dungeon Family tour again around the country? Can we see that? Can I see that, please? You make that Man, happen. If we can get up, if you can, if you can put this on blast and, and find a promoter with balls, yeah. with the balls to do it, man, because we ready to do it. Please believe we talk about it so much, but it's gonna cost a little. It's, it's gonna, you know, be a, a, an investment, but right. I feel like it, it'll really give people a good opportunity to see what we were all about and, and, and to get, you know, refreshed, man, from 2014 style. So well, man, I'll tell you what, if, Nick, we need you to do it. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> if, if, if there is a promoter that's out there listening, or you know a promoter, you know someone else, we need to see this this generation. Nick, why don't we this. just promote it? Let's let's get on Twitter. Let's get on Facebook. All the social medias. We'll talk to everybody we know. We will get this thing going. Yeah, let's and go. first tour, the first stop of their tour. <laughs> We'll be Denver, Colorado, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Denver. What's happening? Aurora in the house. Where you at? Where you at? Throw the hands up. A-Town, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> A-Town. Oh, this is, this is classic. I, I, I love it. I mean, maybe, you know what? Let's start that campaign. If you're out there, you're listening, you're riding in your car, you're sitting in your cubicle, tucked behind your desk, hoping that your boss don't find out, you're listening, Everyone get on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Let's make this reality. Outcast, Dungeon Family, Goody Mob together on tour. Maybe we can throw in some old uh, 90s De La Soul or Tribe Called Quest. Make this, you know, one big hip hop shebang. I want to see it. I definitely Want to see it. Timo, thanks for joining the program. Maybe we get you back on next week and talk about and recap what the Falcons did. Did you like it? Did you not? But always appreciative for you dropping by, joining the program. Tell, you know, Gip, Cujo, CeeLo, we said hello, man. Appreciate you for joining the program. Definitely. God bless, Thank man. Thank y'all for having me, man. Appreciate it, man. God bless the show. That is Timo from the Goody Mob. Timo. Goody Mario, you know I'm I'm, yes, I'm, I'm 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 really I'm really excited, man. I mean, the, the fact of trying to get that group, all those individuals together, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, it, it, for some reason, you've never heard the music before, and I find it hard to believe. But you need to go pick this stuff up. Go buy iTunes, wherever it is. Go pick it up. Great hip hop. Classic, nostalgic hip-hop. Talk about Throwback Thursday. Go ahead, Mario. I, I feel like you just want to get them together so you can be like, oh, I did this. Now let me get up on stage with y'all and, uh, and lay it down. Wow, really? You think I, I'm... I, I, Wait a minute. I mean, not, that's not the only reason. I'm just saying you. I can see you being like, "Oh, I gotta let me let me get up there with everybody, and I want to I want to lay a track down right now. Let me get in the studio." Wow. Wow, Marty, are you saying that <laughs> one of those and then, guys? Hey, and then you could do a Fergalicious remix. Oh, whoa, pump your brakes, Cowboy. <laughs> pump your brakes, Cowboy. <laughs> no Fergalicious over here. Uh, Fergalicious I, definitions make the South go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All Perfect. Right. They already wrote the first line of that song. Uh, 
No, I, I, I think Fergie. I think Fergie's going to be ringing your phone for copyright infringement. So, hey, no, 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 Fergalicious here. But she's, uh, she ain't time in. She's at an award ceremony for a hot body, ugly face competition. Mario, I mean, really, I mean, you, you, you never cease to amaze me. I mean, you always dig in your pocket and come out. With, with, with something out of uh, out of right field, but I mean, come <laughs> my hired co-host, but we gotta talk about this. No, 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 no. We, we, we're not we're not going to do that. We'll save that for another time. But right, don't overthink it. Yes, let's talk a little bit about uh, NBA playoffs. Let's you know, do of it. course, uh, the Pacers came into the playoffs as the number one seed, and they pretty much started to build their roster. You know, to beat the Miami Heat. They went to a tough seven-game series against the Atlanta Hawks. We just talked about that with Timo Goody from the Goody Mob. But now they're in a series with the Washington Wizards. Wizards jumped out to a 1-0 lead. Now they were able to bring balance to it with a win at home. How far can this team really go? And, and Roy Hibbert, who had scored 13 points, I believe, in four games, scored 28 points last night. I mean, are they getting back on track or just just kind of a, a one-hit wonder type of thing? All right, here's the thing, man. They they barely beat an eight seed, and props to Atlanta for playing the way that they did against the one seed. And it looked like they might be the next eight seed to unsettle a one, but dude, I, I can't explain it, Nick. I mean, you look at the Pacers roster top to bottom, and you think, man, on paper, this team has a decent chance to beat the Miami Heat. And I've said it on the show plenty of times, Nick. I'm not going to change my mind. Nobody in the East is going to beat the Heat. Let's be perfectly honest. I'm going to say it right there. Do teams, I mean, if something freaky happens and one of their studs goes down, then they're going to have a hard time. But, you know, pending some sort of miraculous occurrence, it's going to be the heat. So, again, it doesn't really matter how well the Pacers play. Should they beat Washington? Yeah, man, absolutely they should beat Washington. Why? Because on paper, they're a much better team. But what goes on paper doesn't translate to the court. Roy Hibbert finally, finally starts playing like an all-star. So everybody's going to lose their mind? No, if they beat the Washington Wizards, they're going to lose in the next round to the Miami Heat. It doesn't matter. What we got to look at is on the other side of the spectrum. Any of the four teams, Portland, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, or the Clippers, each of those teams has a pretty decent chance of dethroning the Miami Heat. They all have a little bit of weaknesses, but they also have the strengths to be able to beat that team. That's what we got to start talking about. But I'm going to stick with my prediction, like we said at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm going to give you Portland versus Miami in the championship. Even though Portland uh, <laughs> laid a big old egg in San Antonio, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Phase that off. That's fine. You're allowed a loss. It was a really emotional series. Uh, went to seven games last round. I still like this Portland team. Is that crazy? That is not crazy. What will be crazy if you forget that Mother's Day is right around the corner. So everyone, if you hadn't gone, gone out to grab your flowers, cake, gifts, whatever it is you need for Mother's Day, remember you don't want to miss Mother's Day because it's Mother's Day. I mean, they gave birth to life and society. They're the flower of our country, the heartbeat of society. Let's not forget our mothers while we're talking about not forgetting Justin. I want to thank Justin on the boards. Mario, you can find him at Mile High Mario. You can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. I want to thank Timor Goody. I want to thank Kevin Bentley for joining the program. 
10-year veteran Kevin Bentley and Ryan Marquinana for joining the program as well. Also, my three amigos, Church Scientology Celebrity Center for allowing me to use their wonderful facilities. It is draft time, ladies and gentlemen. So sit back, get your popcorn. It is time. You're on the clock. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. And we're gone. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 